Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the Royal Housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode. One that is like so nerdy and like in all the particulars about TV and it's just got great gossip in it as well, I think. And even some frank chat about The Big Shot with Bethany, which is a fun bonus discussion if you were following that show when it was airing recently. Um, I'm chatting, of course, this week to the amazing writer, Firkin Actor, who's worked on some really big shows and is part of shows that are about to come out that I think are going to be massive as well. So it's a real honour to have him on the show this week. We got into lots of fun stuff. I finally know what a story producer is on reality TV, having wondered for years, to be quite honest with you. The fact that that came up at the very, very end. (laughs) I've inadvertently teased the whole interview now, really. I'm doing the to-be-continued thing that happens on Housewives, where the thing you really want to happen only happens at the end. But don't worry, there's lots of other great stuff in the episode as well. Um, so, do you know what? Let's just get into it. There's so much to chat about in this week's episode. Here is Firkin Actor on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a writer who's currently working on the ITV series The Bay and has worked on shows like Sky's Wolf and the forthcoming Netflix series Dead Endia. And he somehow managed to make time for Real Housewives in that mix as well. Furcon actor, welcome to Housewives and Me. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. I'm like so excited to talk to a proper, honest to God, TV writer. So I can be like, okay, we need the TV writer tea on Real Housewives. But first, how did you get into these shows and where are you with them at the moment? Oh, I got into my sister, Shmila, has... Uh, she's abs- She's just very camp. And she was like, <laughs> I love her already. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, and she was like, you have to watch them because, you know, it, just because of how truthful they are, I think, in terms of that dynamic, especially when they first started because they were actual friendship groups, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, watch them. You'll love them. You have to, you have to, you have to. And uh, I eventually, uh, yeah, gave in and uh, I've never looked back. (laughs) I love them. So you said you love them, you love all of them. What was your first Housewife City and why did it uh, reel you in? I think it was um, between Beverly Hills and uh, New York. I think it might have been New York, actually, because I I vividly remember, maybe it's just because I've seen it so often, is the Bethany on the Bridge with Ramona. Like, I remember that, like, ingrained in my memory. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think it would have been New York. Uh, and since then, I think I've seen, I've definitely seen every season of New York, Atlanta, Beverly Hills, Potomac. Um, and I'm, I'm a new convert to uh, uh, New Jersey. Yeah. So I've seen a lot. Oh my God. That's a really, that's a lovely like mix of shows. And I love how you mentioned that Bethany uh, Ramona moment because that's one of those ones that I no joke think about all the time because it's one of those you'd never write a scene that on the nose but yet it's very reality TV for someone to be that harsh <laughs> that's probably a note that I've got this is on the nose and I'm like have you not seen the bridge scene <laughs> they're like I just don't think a friend would say that to a friend on a bridge you're like well I've seen it with my own eyes so I know that it's true <laughs> Actually, it's funny because I talk, I talk a lot about, like, I, I will always sort of reference these shows, like, and um, how, like, you know, like Tarantino, like, watched, like, really obscure Japanese films at 3 a.m. <laughs> and I'm, like, sat there watching The Housewives and going, this is how women talk. And obviously they don't. Because, like, it's a wonderful insight all the same. Uh, but, yeah, they, a, lot of my, a lot of the time my producer does tell me that, you know, that those are extremes, Bethan. Those are extreme people. So you need to just wind it back. <laughs> I love those are extreme people. I mean, that's actually the most fitting description of 
of real life stories I've ever heard. So when you say you bring them up, is that like when you're in a writer's room, you like reference it with other writers or just for yourself, it's almost like a text that you refer to? Oh my God, it's like both, I think. Um, I think um, like I genuinely, actually, oh yeah, I watched Melbourne. I watched Melbourne as well because it feels like we've been waiting for like seven years for the new season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I always sort of reference, I'm going to paraphrase Chica, but I, I will be there having like a, absolute deep and meaningful with my sister and be like well you know chica from uh, melbourne says you can have everything you want in your life but you just can't have it at the same time <laughs> That's a word to live by. so yeah i i will i will use it with any opportunity that i can you know if you're gonna steal steal for the best chica from melbourne <laughs> <laughs> that's so ultra specific i love it i'm curious then like when you mention it to like other writers are they like yeah i get it i love housewives are they like oh my god i would never dare to watch reality tv like what's the vibe with people who work in scripted tv versus you know unscripted slash reality tv oh there's there's definitely a snobbery when it comes to reality tv i think from the scripted people but i think i think you just find your people like with all right. things find your yeah. people who love it um and uh, so there are there are people who i sort of relate to and be like right did you see this you said and actually the, there are some of the stuff is just so outlandish like what happened in atlanta with like candy and like the accusation of the dungeon and stuff like that like stuff like that like plays into real life so you can reference those things in writers rooms and all that sort of stuff because you're like this is not too heightened like it's just the reality of what you know the reality of what a lie can do i think as well is very powerful and how do you think like as someone who writes for television in particular, which like is different, I would imagine, to writing for film or writing for stage, like what are ways that like Real Housewife shows use storytelling that we'd recognize from scripted or I guess fiction, if you will? I think if you kind of look at how they're treating Erica in this most recent season of Beverly Hills, um, it's that whole sort of beginning, middle and ending that we all know that we've been taught of like since we were children. And so they're setting it up where she's referencing and talking a lot about her husband. It's edited in a way, like, and it does come down to the edit because there's only so much you can manipulate that footage, but they do it and they do it spectacularly. And so she's now talking about Tom in a way that I've never heard in any previous season because we know what the middle is and we don't know what the end is yet, but we know what's coming. And I think that is really, really, in- it's almost exciting though because it's it's like I referenced this today actually as well in, in the writers room that I'm currently working in. It's that sort of EastEnders thing of like we know what's coming, like we know Kat Slater is Zoe's mom, but we are waiting for her to, uh, to say, you, you know, yes, I am, I am your mom, <laughs> like, and that's what it is. That I've never heard that re- replayed in such a like calm, like logical fact. Usually people quote that East, it's always they go, yes, I am. You've just been like, and as we know. <laughs> that's a first I'm sorry I'm just, <laughs> I just this is why I'm not an actor but it's that like so with the Denise stuff and sometimes it works I think in our favor where we kind of go Denise is the brandy stuff is going to come out and this is going to be really exciting but then they can hammer it to death and I think that was the sort of downfall of the last season of Beverly Hills like we were so yeah. excited for that sort of and again with Atlanta this season with Bolo we know what's coming but like it's like how much are they going to eke it out and I, I think both those seasons have probably did it a bit too much so yeah you kind of want to hold back yeah and it's interesting isn't it because I think the more reality tv you watch the more you see where they are using like storytelling techniques almost 
in a too heavy-handed way or like it's always this thing with fans every time a trailer comes every season and people are like this is going to be the best season or they're like they've got nothing they've nothing that trailer was all fine you're like well like who knows like it is funny it definitely like you can see when the quote-unquote storytelling happens and you can also tell or maybe this is naive of me but when things happen and the show just has to follow them like i'm yep. sure no one going into beverly hills production wise like whatever say last summer or whenever they started getting into production thought well we know we have a divorce coming like i'm sure they you know they have to react to what happens as well yeah oh for sure and, and i think and i don't really watch orange county but like vicky finding out that her mum died and stuff like that that that's stuff that you just can't fake right in a million years mm-hmm. and it becomes incredibly incredibly powerful and that i think is the joy of reality tv but i also think like I'm like, you know, it's been like reality TV has been going on for so long now that breaking the fourth wall and everything that comes with it. It's these people like this, there's a whole generation now of like people who have just been, who have grown up on it. So they are savvy to it, whether you work in TV or not. And like, so you see that with people who go on Love Island and everything like that, they just know what's going to generate the story. And I think that's fascinating. I love watching it in that way. You know, I, I think the best example that I can give recently is, um, is Sutton in her first season when she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind. And Dorit, who obviously knows how story works, just went, Oh, Dorina, she was gonna ruin your daughter's event because she was gonna lose her <laughs> mind that yeah. this that this hairdresser or whoever was there. And that's when Sutton obviously realized the game what the game was, because then she that's when she was like, let let the mouse go, which is iconic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let the mouse go go you've had your fun i was like i, I gotta hand it to something that was pretty amazing it's it's interesting what you said there about the um audiences becoming savvy because i mean you see it love island i think drag race is an example of a show where contestants will say on camera well i don't want to do x because of the fans and you see housewives depending on how much they break the fourth wall they do or don't reference that but like how does that make it like I mean is it a bit like the way like I'm you know showing my age here but I remember like the late 90s early 2000s film and tv became very self-referential and very like poking fun at I guess conventions do you think that's because reality tv is going to do the same thing where it has to wise up because as you say the audience has had 15 20 years of it by now oh for sure I think I think if you ask any writer like of like around my age uh, in their 30s someone at some point has like, we've all got the idea that's like, oh, this is the behind the scenes of a reality TV show. And the thing yeah. is, the, the reality TV shows are just so well-structured, so well-storied, including stuff like Britain's Got Talent, Love Island, all that sort of stuff, um, that you, there's no need for to create a drama around it. So it's like those, those things have their own place in the world. Uh, and it's like, how do you better them? And I don't think you can. Like, I just don't think you can. Uh, and that's that's what makes them brilliant, I think. And it's funny, I've never actually watched that show Unreal, which is about kind of yeah. a show like The Style of The Bachelor, which is a big American dating show. But I remember when that show was kind of taking off, people who didn't like reality TV were like, you have to watch Unreal. It really shows it goes on. And I'm like, do you not get that people who watch these shows obsessively, we are into all this production bullshit we know who the producers are we like finally listen to our podcast whether it's housewives drag race bachelor like i loved that to me really showed who gets reality tv who yeah. doesn't they were like it's clearly all factual i was like it's clearly a hyper fictionalized <laughs> drama series like please like i used to find that so funny i was like this is so pretentious like go watch a season of beverly hills and come back to me it's, it's so true and I, I think that's why it, that show like did so well in that first season but hasn't sort of gone like it, and the second season of 
I don't know if it's had more than that actually. But everyone talks about three, but it definitely petered out for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I think all that sort of stuff about like have I think it's the second season which has a black bachelor. Or was it the first season? Uh, and it's that that's happened now. Do you know what I mean that's happened in real life and is like prominent and is you know way too late, obviously. But is you know that's all all that stuff is happening. So what what is the drama? What is scripted about that that you can make better than what's already happening in real life? And I just don't think you can. Yeah, the only show that I think has really explored it was the comeback with Lisa Kudrow, which when it aired, actually aired when reality TV was like much, had only been around a few years. And some of the stuff they were doing, they were just doing for the character and ended up being almost prophetic. And when they came back for a second season, like 10 years later, it was so funny watching the show react to and integrate like RuPaul and Andy Cohen and Lisa Vanderpump. It was just bizarre because you were like, actually they couldn't have made up half the shit that's gone on on unscripted TV. Like, it's bizarre. Like, it's bizarre. I could spend a whole hour just talking about the comeback. (laughs) Yeah, same. That could be my other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Just talk about the comeback. It's it's literally the perfect TV show because it's because of that sort of, it starts with a simple life sort of hybrid, right? Um, That's sort of what reality TV used to be compared to the sort of Wild West that is now that, you know, I think people who leave, I keep referencing Love Island, but people who leave Love Island early on in a season are crying not because they want to stay on Love Island. It's because they have less clout. So, and what she's doing in that second season is like recording her own podcast, uh, sorry, her own reality TV show just in order to stay relevant. And it's, oh God, it's just genius. It's absolute genius. And Lisa Kudrow is an icon and a legend. You mentioned soaps earlier and EastEnders and all that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And I know that you kind of got your start working in TV, like working behind the scenes and soaps and that kind of thing. Like how much do you think Housewives is soapy? Because even Andy Cohn has compared the housewives to daytime soaps in the US or even you know the soaps of the 80s like Dynasty and Dallas like where do you think housewives and the soaps intersect should you soaps here and in the UK and Ireland are very different to soaps in America as well because soaps are considered like it's not quite a dirty word but they are considered something they're not what we have here like where we give them a prime time slot um so it's it's interesting because i think in america what becomes their primetime soaps is stuff like Grey's anatomy and you know what ugly betty was and all that sort of stuff and i think yeah the way that housewives sort of compares i think is that it's it's at the core of what old coronation street i think used to be it's looking it's turning on the tv and going well at least my life isn't that bad they might have money yeah which is the opposite of what our soaps are because our soaps are essentially that they don't have money but with housewives, uh, predominantly, it's people who have a lot of money, but they go through the mill. They really go through it. And you kind of mm-hmm. turn it on for that escapism, I think. So I think they, I think they escapism in very different ways. So they probably do lean more into the American soap model of like the bold and the beautiful and uh, Sunset Beach. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that was Sunset Beach was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, they haven't had supernatural elements on Housewives, really. But I mean, God, who only knows? 15 years <laughs> in, anything can. We did have a witch on Beverly Hills once, so anything could happen. Yes. Beverly Hills obviously kind of recently returned for 11 season. And I do feel like it's the most soapy of all the shows, just in terms of like the visual palette and how it plays out, even when the storylines can be a bit like, I don't know, it's tired or something. Like, what is it about Beverly Hills you think people like? Tricky because it has been the show you've probably noticed that people have gotten into Housewives through in the last year. I, I think it sells you exactly. I think what Orange County never sort of did for me 
was sell a world that I wanted to be a part of because Orange County mm. has always felt a bit flat just as a place I think even in like in the OC I think probably because of the OC we'd watch the OC the, the drama show and we'd be like this place feels like Marissa wants to escape from there so it's got to be rubbish so yeah. <laughs> like watching yeah. Beverly Hills it's like I actually want to be a part of your world like I want that escapism I I, like when Erica, I'd never heard of Erica Jane before Beverly Hills. And when she came on and I was like, this is someone who is a pop star as a side hustle. That, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, that is amazing. Like that is the kind of life that you'd want to, like, I'm bored now. So I'm going to actually launch pop career. Uh, yeah. Incredible. And I think that's why I think people as well, like shout out to Camille Grammer. Like, you know, she, I think set the benchmark of that sort of old old school, obnoxious, like really rich, like, you know, Beverly Hills woman. And it was just so brilliant. Like if you watch them back now, I think because they're back on Netflix, I think as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people have been introduced to her for the first time. Just seeing her dance is worth your Netflix subscription alone, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It definitely has that sense of place and sense of location. But another housewife city that i think has a a sense of place even if their version of new york is very particular is real housewives in new york why do you think that's like i mean i to me like to me new york is like a soap only in that it's a lot about the watching it over the course of years and the payoff that you get with new york that i think is unique to that franchise totally and i I think what new york does is it it sells you this world of like old school sort of like it was meant to sell like moving through society I think and that's how it started it started of like this like what is like waspy and what is like Luan trying to social crime and Ramona mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff is fascinating because it all felt like they were like one rung below the social ladder that they wanted to be on <laughs> like Jill Zarin was desperate to be in like you know to do something else uh or and you know we see it with Ramona more recently as well and I th- um and I think that's what people sort of like uh, like you know love and then what you've seen like over the years is like it sort of peels back a bit and they they just uh, they, they they love their fame more than they love being part of that society set and that's what's great about Sonia Morgan is that she has all this like you know that Grey Gardens um townhouse um is amazing <laughs> but now she's just some someone who just loves to party and loves being a celebrity and I I just yeah I think that's why I adore it as well yeah and also they do like it's funny because I have friends and like just people on social media being like I'm gonna stick with New York I'm gonna try New York because I love the early seasons but they're so different to where the show is now and I'm always like just you wait to see the transformation that Ramona goes through from being so prudish and like old-fashioned she still is kind of old-fashioned but she also has this wild side that she's embraced and you're so right too I've always found it really funny you just know watching the show even not being in New York not being quote-unquote a society person you just know that there's like a tier of actual real New York money that thinks that show is disgraceful like they would never go near it so even when Tinsy joined I'm thinking god that's crazy because Tinsy was kind of of that set for a very long time as this it girls so that's why New York fascinates me too. You know, we're getting a very, <laughs> very specific version oh, of New sure. York City. And that's why Bethany was so brilliant because she just sort of tore through all of that. Like all the BS, she just went, she was, she didn't have any money. She was in the supermarket giving out free samples and all of a sudden just blew up in a way I think that none of them expected. So even now when Luan talks about Bethany, 
And like when she references her and calls her girlfriend, I like I die a little bit inside. Yeah. Uh, so her her transition as well though is is amazing. Uh, her her the, what she went through and now how she's like a cabaret star is I I absolutely adore it. But yeah, Beth, the way that Bethany sort of blew it all up and essentially is new money and she's unashamed like about being new money as she should be and is richer than all of them. I think it's like that's like its own sort of like arc in itself, right? Like she was, I, I know she's well, she's engaged now again as well, isn't she? But it, it did mm-hmm. go from her being single and a bit sad to being incredibly wealthy, married with a child, and like that shouldn't mean everything, but it meant something to those women. So it felt like a vindication for her, and and I liked her so much, especially at that time, and I still think she's worth her weight in TV gold because the Big Shot is incredible, and I loved it. But um, I was going to ask you if you watch The Big Shot because as you were like, I, I like her. I was like, did you watch The Big Shot? <laughs> I loved it. Like, actually, my best friend just texted me now. She's, she's never watched Housewives, but she loves The Apprentice. And I said, watch this. And she was like, she's yeah. really obnoxious, isn't she? And I was like, yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. She knows how TV works and she, and she delivers. And that's what you want, right? That's what we want in 2021. But it's funny because we're having this like because you work in telly and I'm just really nerdy about TV and we're having this chat about structure and format and blah, blah, blah. And the thing about the big shot with Bethany that I found absolutely maddening and then interesting as it went on was it seemed to in one way completely do away with a lot of the format that you need to give a show structure. And then the when it started to pick up halfway through is because there was then, okay, you do a challenge, she comes in and eliminates someone the first three or four episodes. She's like, um, I'm getting rid of 10 of them. Oh, I'll bring back three people. Oh God, I don't know. It was just like, it was wild watching her be like, I don't need a format. I'm like, it's everyone funny. needs a format. You're on it's TV. Funny that you like, say what are you that doing? Because I think it's the opposite of that. I think that's what the format is. Because uh, it's from the same producer as The Apprentice, The American Apprentice, yep. Mark Burnett. So I think they went, what What can we do that is not Donald Trump? That whole structured, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a firing at the end of the thing. And she's unreliable. This is about her personal life. It's her being her. So what she did was she created chaos. That even if this isn't a uh, linear TV show, this isn't going to be how, it's my personal life. So I can do what I want which is kind of what RuPaul adheres to as well, right? He's like, I'm judge, jury, and executioner, so this is what the rules are. So you can bring back whoever I want because I'm in charge and life's not fair, basically. And I think that's what she was doing. I don't know, that's just my opinion. But I think that's why why the format would be different from The Apprentice as well. I hadn't thought of it in contrast with the shows. Yeah, to me, it just struck me that it felt like they hadn't figured out what they were doing. Who's the they nerd just... now? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why, that's why we're here. It's why I do this show. I just loved as well, like, I mean, I will stop talking about Bethany in a second, but the... I mean, I think as a writer, I'm sure you will have noticed this, the amount of cliches she deployed in every interview she did to camera, in every conversation she had with the contestants. I was like, you just literally talk in these stock phrases. It was actually driving me up the wall. She kept being like, it's go time. It's killer be killed. I'm looking for a killer. You know, there's no messing around. I was like, do you actually have any real like original thoughts like this is just a stream of of quotes like it was wild yeah yeah when she started each episode like this capsulist meredith gray with like like some sort of like really profound thing that she had to say at the beginning which really if you watch them back i think if you if you if you super cut them all together they wouldn't mean anything 
<laughs> you're just like this is exactly exactly it's all the like motions of saying something but you're not saying anything like she kept like one of the first things she said in one of the early episodes that's like stood out to me because it was so obnoxious was i always say your work is your life and your life is your work and my work is my life and i was like so you just you have no boundaries and you've no downtime is that what you're telling me like it was just oh I don't think she does though. Yeah, like if she was on, like if Cribs was still a, is Cribs back? Cribs still a thing? She would. I think be- it's around somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I always remember, like when Mariah Carey was on Cribs, and it was like friend Iconic. slash assistant, and that, that would be Bethany's life, I imagine. You know, friend slash assistant is very much the energy that I get from her. Something that you said to me, we were talking about housewives in DMs before, and yeah. this made me laugh because. I just, I, I kind of think I got what you meant, but I, and now I want you to expand on it. We were talking about shows you watched and you mentioned that you had been watching recent seasons of New Jersey. You kind of started keeping up with that again. Yeah. And you said that it had South Asian vibes. And I'm curious, <laughs> what about Real Housewives of New Jersey has South Asian vibes? Like what makes you think that? <laughs> so I, I think, uh, yeah, the New Jersey this season has been incredible for lockdown viewing because the rest of them, I think, haven't quite nailed it. New Jersey seems to have really nailed it. And I think part of the key to that is the fact that, um, oh my God, I've forgotten to raise his brother's name. What's his name? Joe. Joe. You can tell this is, I'm very new to this one. But what I love about it is the fact that they argue in such a way, like I've watched, like if I don't watch the seasons, I will watch reunions, which is really weird. But this is what I did in lockdown. I watched every reunion and then I watched this most recent season. And Mm -hmm. they, they fight in a way that is very South Asian because what we do is in the South Asian families as well, we fight in a way that is very deeply personal and heated and big, but it blows up and then you get over it. Like you have to get over it. So all those memes that you see of people falling downstairs and stuff like that, they <laughs> will happen. They will fall down the stairs and they'll be fine with that person the next day. <laughs> like That's what I think about New Jersey is that Joe and Teresa fight in a way which is very below the belt sometimes like incredibly cutting like you know that your ex-husband killed my mom like if like i mean if i even said that to anyone who wasn't in my family like i think that would be horrendous but i think mm. in, in families you can get away with saying that really deeply personal stuff and then just moving on and i, spe- and I think that's what south asian families do quite well I don't, it's incredibly toxic. I'm not denying that it's not toxic, but it's something that you move past quite quickly. Um, and I find it fascinating. I absolutely, I think it's incredible. And it's also interesting because Jersey family and family dynamics are on every show in different ways. Like on Beverly Hills, Kyle has been on screen with two of her sisters now at this point. But yeah. Jersey in particular centers family and husbands and children in a way the other franchises don't like i mean that is part of i think what makes it stand out for people oh for sure i i think i think the husbands have kind of saved this season in a really strange way and i didn't realize that i was missing them i don't think i was missing them i just kind of saw them as an asset i think in the season of uh new jersey because you kind of it just it just expands that world especially during lockdown i know you said you watched melbourne which is one that i adore and i've like not everyone I talked to on the show has seen it. So when someone has, I'm like, let me, <laughs> let me like dive into this. So obviously that's an interesting one because that's an Australian take on an American telly format. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've probably worked on things that are like formats in other countries or been pitched. Thing. Like, you know, I know that formats in different countries travel around all the time. Like what's it like watching an Australian take on a US franchise for you? 
plus I found it a little bit uneasy because I think it sort of reminded me a little bit of the British one and because I'm from Manchester so watching Real Housewives with Cheshire I can't do it because when they go we're going to a fancy bar and it's like somewhere on Dean's Day and it's <laughs> you're like I was there as 21 year old yeah <laughs> exactly and I'm like no oh my god it's horrendous and so I can't watch it and at first I had that sort of feeling where it felt quite small worldish. And not in not in a good way, not in the way that I think Potomac has nailed. But Melbourne I felt a bit like I, I don't really know what this. And then Gina walked in, and I think I, as soon as you get a character like Gina, who did something in a way that I think Jen Shah. Oh yeah, I watched I watched Salt Lake City as well. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I didn't even know that. I had a list. I wrote down here what ones you told me you watched. You that was keeping that to yourself. <laughs> so sorry, I, I, I'm probably just I forgot. I have a whole bookmark tracksuit. <laughs> oh, you do? You, you told me that. Jesus. Okay, well, let me, I'm going to make a note of that here. Carry on. Carry what, on. I think what Jen Shah tried to do, um, and I was very excited to have a Muslim housewife, what Jen Shah tried to do is what people like Gina and Nini and Vanderpump have done effortlessly. They they centered themselves. And she didn't quite nail that for me. She, she tried to be like everyone in one woman. Uh, and yeah. like that, I think that's why people took against her quite quickly. And I feel quite sad for that because I think potentially she could have been great. But Gina is incredible for that because she centered herself because she's just, she's, she's essentially a drag queen, right? And <laughs> she would, I think she, Gina would be flattered. I think she might have even said that. Didn't she say something like, I'm so. a, go- like, I'm a drag queen? Really? <laughs> she says that in like one of her first scenes. I, I haven't watched the show in a while, but she says something to that effect. I'm like, she's self aware. I, I, can I ask, have you seen the trailer for the new season of Potomac? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay, what are your thoughts on that? I thought you might be like, I didn't want to assume, but I'm no. also like, if you're a Housewives fan, you've watched it already. Yeah, no, um, I, uh, I, well, the last season was incredible, like actually incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what this new Housewife is about. But to be honest, I would watch Karen read the phone book at this point. <laughs> oh, I same, would. yeah. Um, she's just um, she's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's time Giselle gets called out because and I, and I think I'm glad that Wendy's doing it. So because I think she's got the the cool, calm sort of collected thing that Monique didn't have because I think Monique had the same sort of issues with Giselle, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, I do wonder if they're going to make Giselle a villain because she just did this chat show thing with Bravo with her and a bunch of other Bravo stars and. She seems well liked by the network, but like Giselle is one of those characters. If you edit her a certain way, I think she could be almost irredeemable because she there yeah. is like a really sneaky side to Giselle, and I'm like I feel like Doctor Wendy from that trailer is coming in so hot, but in a way I love. I'm kind of like yes, second season for you. Like step yeah. into your power. Like you you won us all over last season. I just want more. Although I don't want her and Eddie to break up because they're so cute together. They are very cute. What do you think the second season thing is, though? Like, as in, do you think it's because they've got their footing, so everyone comes for them? Is that what it is, or they come for everyone else? Like, is is it a mix? I think what it is, some of, I think a huge part of what it is is when they are their first season on, they don't watch themselves back at all. So they are filming the show, they do their interviews to camera, they bank a season, and then they have to start watching it back every week, and they have to react to it online and get interviewed about it. And I think they then go into their second season knowing what they look like that's why i mean it sounds shallow and i don't mean this to be rude 
towards women but like it's why a lot of them have a glow up because they've gone oh actually that and that doesn't work and when I was in a scene with my hair this way the other way I actually filmed but like little things like oh that doesn't pick up on camera like I think it's just they come in with a sense of self and it's also sometimes to the detriment of some people and you see it across reality TV in general a show will have an amazing first season and then they'll have watched themselves and that's something something where they weren't as self-aware is gone I mean you mentioned Jen Shaw I think she's an example of someone who had that before she'd even seen a lick of herself on screen but I do think yeah the second season thing is always it's always interesting but I have a good feeling about Wendy like even in the trailer she's kind of she's taking up a an important position in the group and I've always liked that she's one of the few of them who kind of goes toe to toe with Karen and that does yeah. seem to really like that really bothers Karen which I just love to watch that's so entertaining oh I totally agree and I, I think I was thinking about Potomac a lot recently before I, I knew we were going to chat and I was like actually what they did with Robin and you know we talk about like escapism and like all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. Robin having no money to having money and done in a way where it wasn't it wasn't about bankruptcy or don't like well it was about bankruptcy but it wasn't done in a way that we got bored with it I I, I felt like I was really rooting for her early on like I wanted especially because of her and her, her partner I wanted them to get back together I forgot his name now as well I keep forgetting Juan, the men's name yeah, Juan that's yeah. but I loved the Robin and Juan thing at the end of that season where he was getting ready to propose to her because at first I was like oh like what's going on here like he's cheated on her what's the point and then when you realised oh, she was there for him during really tough personal tragedy in his early, like, younger years. I was just like, oh my God, love wins. They're meant to be together. Just get my, I'll pay for the wedding. I was like, nearly crying. I was like, I went from, he's a dog, he's a dog to like, oh my God, he's the one for Robin. It's just, it's so funny how they'll like hold back on a key storyline element and then throw it in front of you and you're like, oh, oh, this changes everything completely and I, I think they are meant to be together and I think I, that's what's quite lovely about it I think because you want you, you are you're totally rooting for them that they had this tragedy which was not necessarily centered around um cheating on like affairs or anything like that it was just a really personal tragedy that I don't think we'd ever seen before so it was yeah yeah it's, it's I, I like them too, a lot. We mentioned Salt Lake City and we mentioned your Brooks Marks tracksuit. So this actually <laughs> yes. does tie into my next question because you are someone who, just from my reading of social media, is very stylish and very into fashion. So I wanted to ask you, well, I want to ask you about fashion and housewives, but I think first we should just ask, what is a Brooks Marks tracksuit like? And have people asked you about it when you wear it? Oh, yes, completely. <laughs> it's one of those, um, it, it's very nice, actually. It's, it's quite, it's very good quality. To, just, that's the Asian in me coming out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, and he, yeah, he, it was weird because it came and I was like, why did I order this again? And it was one of those things, <laughs> I think, it was, I forgot I ordered it and then I, I, I moved out of that flat and then my flatmate was like, you've had something delivered from like Utah. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> from Utah. Oh my god, of course, because it came from fucking Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. And then I opened it and there was like a handwritten note and like key rings and stuff. And I was like, this is so sweet. <gasps> what um, did the note say? It was just like, thanks for the support, love Brooks or something like that. And there was like pictures. And it obviously reminds me of that Jen Shaw thing, which is like, does one tracksuit make a collection? And I was like, maybe it does. Maybe Brooks Marks is such a provoc- fashion provocateur that one tracksuit makes a collection. Yeah, everyone asks me about it. <laughs> does someone ask you about it because they know what Brooks Marks is in their guide? Or is it just like they think it's like a stunning tracksuit? Because it is kind of a cool design. I think it's more the fact that it's 
I, I think Salt Lake City, again, probably did so well because of lockdowns. I think it had that thing where people wanted to get in on the ground, uh, ground up. And I think that's, so when you, when I wear stuff like that, or like, you know, like, or stuff like that, like I say, it's like I have lots of housewives. <laughs> <laughs> whole wardrobe of just yeah. your housewives outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Currently sat in Lisa Van Poupon's sequin. Skinny girl thing. jeans. Skinny girl I do actually have an Erica Jane expensive t-shirt. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I Look, guys, I know she's maybe a criminal now, but you have to know when expensive <laughs> came out, that was my one, if not one of my top two most played songs that year. So I'm extremely <laughs> jealous. Did you get that from like her merch store or something? Wait, what did I, I think it might, I'm going to be honest, I don't think it would, was official merch. <laughs> Bootleggyana. But I think I remember ordering it and I was like, I, I need to get it. But I think it sold out on her official website. But Dom, who you had on the podcast, he yes, designed Dominic. a logo for her and everything for her single cars, which was just mm-hmm. like iconic. And I was like, I want that on a t-shirt. But he was like, copyrighted for it. Oh. <laughs> he couldn't just do run up one as a favor. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, not? he's illustrated me as well. So I might just combine the two and put them both on a t-shirt at the same time. <laughs> just a proper bootleg merch. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like your head on her body. It'd be like yeah. with Erica crossed out, work on Jane. <laughs> cars i can see that exactly, actually it's kind of yeah. fierce <laughs> uh but yeah people ask me about it a lot when i wear it because i think of that the fact that the show was like it was like on twitter especially if you if you wear it people are like what well, i can't believe you got it and i'm like yeah i'm a bit it was, it was like something stupid that i did which i shouldn't have done which was like a late night purchase but hey ho it's a nice tracksuit <laughs> i was gonna ask actually do you wear because i've noticed it's like this I guess sweater hoodie thing and then there's yeah. the pants as well do you wear them together or do you wear them separately is it a is it a capsule piece like what's the what's <laughs> it's the vibe very, it's very versatile I will, wear, I will wear them separately or together it depends actually I mean I'm, we're still in that lockdown thing aren't we where we're like what should I wear and I, I will not wear I, I mean I'm living in elasticated trousers I think like everyone else like joggers and stuff so you know that's that's is definitely helpful for that maybe I'll invest maybe like for my next birthday or something i could be i could be running around dublin in a brooks marks tracksuit certainly i do like the idea that if people came up to me it'd be a way it'd be like a bat signal for hayes white fans because i'd be like you're my people if you know what this is you could hang with me um but speaking of fashion and stuff that i mean do you enjoy like how fashion is used on the shows is there any show or housewife in particular where you're like oh my god this is like a feast for the eyes Oh, I, I love that it's used. I love that it's weaponized. <laughs> I think that's probably what I enjoy most about it. Because I think there was a real time when Erica came in, Erica Jane came in and she was so like fashion forward and then Dorit just stepped her game up completely. So it got to a point where Erica felt like she, she, she'd she gone to sort of like old school sort of vintage stuff and Dorit was just like killing the game. Like, come on, Dorit just stepped up. Um, so all that sort of stuff I, I think is fascinating because now I think there's like a competition between those two. Um, and I'm, I'm also fascinated by people like Marlo from Atlanta do you remember yeah. when Marlo turned up to like a day lunch in a sequin gold jumpsuit, which was like something from Studio 54, but she was like in Central Park with Nini. Yes, it was in <laughs> New York at the start of a season yeah. or two ago. And Marlo, literally Nini was like, why are you dressed like a disco diva for lunch? And Marlo was like, I'm in New York diva. It's like, what are you doing? But for Marlo, it's like, it was probably Versace or something. So she was like, I'm wearing a Versace jumpsuit. To, to, and I, so stuff like that, I'm like, 
I, I love because I think it's also that thing where because I, I love clothes and but obviously I'm not incredibly wealthy so there's certain things that you were like oh I could buy like a Versace t-shirt in the sale but then I would probably wear it to like if I was going to have lunch with Nini Leakes then I probably would wear it to lunch with Nini Leakes because what else do I have um, so all that all that sort of stuff is I think fascinating it's like how they I, it goes back to what you were saying before it's like how they step up from season to season as well um yeah I love it and, and I think it's really funny how like in how the reunion looks are really scrutinized now as well or their piece to camera looks are really scrutinized because it's like what is what is the vibe and how does it reflect their personality to an extent as well like when um Lisa Rinna got called out on her 12 year old hairstyle that brandy she then for the next season or two seasons has been wearing wigs because it clearly affected her in some way shape or form and it, it was is a very funny take that I think even Andy Cohen laughed at yeah and I think it's funny you bring up the reunions. I think the reunions they have, like, most uh, cities, they get a kind of rough style of proms. Like, particularly, you notice that on Atlanta and Potomac, the last couple of reunions, they've been like, it's themed around our trip to here. Can everybody wear yellow? And it's really funny then seeing how each uh, housewife interprets that because yeah. obviously they have a glam team that's working with them and some of them have maybe tend to go, like, high-end design or some get something made. So the reunions have become, like... Uh, a fashion world onto themselves as well oh for sure and um because it's also like if you watch the old ones where they're just in like a skirt and a t-shirt compared to like you know i was thinking yeah jeans and a nice top yeah (laughs) it's very that um like you know uh kim in her silk yellow blouse and like her waistcoat and that is it's brilliant like um and uh, yeah chunky belt and now it's like full on, like you know, red carpet. Like, what what are they gonna wear? Like, it's, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's brilliant. I think, and again, I think it just adds to the sort of heightened worldness of it all, um, which I think is why people watch it to begin with. And I do like you've reminded me when you mentioned Marla, you've reminded me of one of my favorite visuals on any housewife show ever was season nine. They have like this kind of camping trip, and it's the infamous moment where. Um, the lesbian rumor about Candy appears and they all say as one, who said that? Which has become like an iconic meme. <laughs> my but then, like, gift, I think. There's also some kind of fight. I think it's Kenya and Marlo. Like Kenya says something really horrible to Marlo. Yeah. Um, surprise, surprise. And Marlo just storms off in the middle of the night with her luggage and she's wearing a full camo bodysuit head to toe. And she like storms off and they just have this random like long wide shot of her stomping away lugging a suitcase into the middle of the forest in a full high like high camp camo suit and i just think about it all the time i'm like that visual stayed with me i was like this is one of the funniest things i've ever seen <laughs> it's very much get that fire exit door i'm off right like that, she, she's very much got that energy obviously you've watched a fair bit of housewives as we've learned today but <laughs> this is the million dollar question for any housewives fan what would your tagline be and why okay so i, I i'm not gonna lie i have worked shopped it <laughs> okay in the writer's room probably with yeah. your colleagues yeah. you'll probably All like for that. fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, what? um so mine is and i wish it was true i may write stories for a living but the checks write themselves oh <laughs> that's very like old school housewives because you've brought your wealth into it that's very <laughs> i wish i had wealth <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. That's because I was thinking it needed to be something around when I was like, I wonder what I'll say. I was like, it'll be something to do with writing or scripts or like, yeah. you know, I write the script on screen and in my life. <laughs> my friend Hannah, uh, she she's obsessed with them. And she was like, they're always something like, I have big tits and my tits are big. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. yes. Yes. It's like, um, it's like sex in the city where it's like, you, I always joke, you can make anything like a Carrie Bradshaw question. So it could be like, I couldn't help but wonder, were we podcasting our lives or were our lives our podcasts? Like, it's just that you can make any phrase a like Carrie Bradshaw typing in her laptop question. Another thing I love to ask guests on the show, of course, another tricky question, but I have a feeling you've got a good list and answer this. You're throwing a housewives dinner party tomorrow. You can have five people, can be housewives, friends of... Side characters, whoever, husbands, whoever, at the table. Who are you inviting and why? Okay, so I did. I didn't know how many I was allowed, so I was like, okay, I was thinking about it. And so, like Carly Kloss, I like to look camp right in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking Vanderpump. I'm going to go quite old school. Vanderpump, uh, Nini, Bethany. Um, I would have to go Erica. I would have to. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like the fifth one. And you know, I think my favorite housewife of all time, just for like how sort of unproblematic she is, but how much of a boss she is at the same time, is Candy. I think Candy generates story in a great way. So Candy would be my fifth, I think. I'm probably going to regret that, but that's my lineup. No, it's a good lineup. And I think you and I probably have the same school of thought on Candy. I just love how she is so central to the show. She seems like a decent person. She, like, she will put stuff out there that's very personal, but. I never feel like she's trying too hard. Like, I just yeah. I just think there's a warmth to her that is, like, kind of underrated in a way. Oh, for sure. And I think it's funny how, like, you know, all the sort of, like, going on Home Shopping Network and all that sort of stuff. There are people who are, who make their millions doing that, like Bethany and Candy. But, you know, Erica Jane's never going to do that. And I think that's, <laughs> that's the difference yeah. between those people who become popular and don't. Because I think Erica has got a very specific fan base, which is mostly gay men. And Candy is sort of across the board because she has that very queer aesthetic in like, you know, Candy Coated Nights and everything that sort of comes with that. But also the fact that she can like, you know, sell anything to anyone, which I think is just great. But she makes it the perfect housewife. Yeah, and I think sometimes in Housewives we gravitate, like, I mean, you've mentioned some of the heavy hitters like Nini and LEP and Bethany at your table and like they would be amazing at a dinner party but like I think we forget that the glue oftentimes in shows is those kind of slightly more grounded candy type characters because they they move story along but also they're able to connect with the whole cast whereas I love Nini but she's gonna have beef with somebody and then that will cause a ripple effect on the whole show whereas Candy's more likely to go okay even with I mean I think Candy has has shown incredible grace with Portia on the show when she oh, could have very well said, I will never speak to you again. And I I, I am one of those people who's like, people are bring back Phaedra. I'm like, Candy has every right to never look at Phaedra in the eye ever again. So Candy displays this grace and this willingness to go along with things that you kind of need one or two of them to do as much as we love our combustible catchphrase machine housewives as well. I, I think Phaedra's had her moment in that as well. Like I think she she feels like an old school housewife now and I don't know necessarily yeah. if she would have a place in this sort of new world but like the reason I like I love Nini and I know like I know she's she's changed like fame has definitely 100% changed her and mm. um like you you see it and like it was that thing that she did when you know they were doing all-stars housewives 
And she she went to the beach and posted like a few pictures of her on a beach somewhere. And people were like, oh my God, like, are you on are you on All Stars? And she was just like, lol, never tell. It was like, you're clearly not. Like you're suing the network. Like, <laughs> but why? Um, I, I, yeah, she, I mean, that's she's a hustler. Give, give it to her. <laughs> um, but like that sort of level of like, just not being ashamed, I think is just, oh God, I aspire to it. I just have so much imposter syndrome. I'd love a bit of that. I know, right, yeah, I watch Housewives and I'm like, I hate confrontation, I have crippling self-doubt, I have such money worries, and here these women are, they think everything they do will turn to gold, they're obscenely wealthy, and everything they say is correct, I'm like, maybe I need just a tenth of my energy <laughs> in my life, just a, a soupçon of that vibe. <laughs> would be would be ideal that is quite the dinner party lineup though and you you were ready with that and also you've picked a lot of like it's going to be i would say quite a noisy dinner yes but i think you want you don't you don't want someone who i don't know like oh i should shout out actually i say this like i know her but like in the the way that candy is unproblematic and really like solid i've really fallen in love with dolores from uh new jersey and I think yeah. Dolores would have a seat at my table if I was allowed as well, because I think, because I, it's weird, because I, I think a lot about food anyway, but I think a lot about food when it comes to housewives and like you kind of want to see them go to like all these bougie restaurants and stuff. I love that Atlanta doesn't feel like they do that. <laughs> they yeah, go. or they own the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like old lady gang feels like it'd be like really good wholesome food but like you know like the price of a Nando's maybe. Um, like which is you know, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, and yeah, I think in New Jersey, I'm always like, the food looks amazing. Like, I think I'd want to like you know, live with them and just be fed like Italian food. Like, that's that's the dream. Yeah. Oh my god. And you just know, like, I know Dolores has had like you know a, a few nip tuck moments, and she's probably like really conscious about food now. But you just know if you were like, let's have a dinner party, she'd be like, I'm bringing over the world's best <laughs> lasagna. I'm bringing yeah. you a giant bowl of pasta. Like, it will be such comfort food. I do think about Erica and it was at Lisa Rinna saying that they have a hot dog once a year. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> or that thing dog. of like, I just take a bite and then I put it away, which I've actually, I remember hearing that about JLo recently that she does that thing where she orders like a quote unquote indulgent thing, but just has like a quarter of it. I'm like, what a fucking waste of food. Like just, just, just like Life half it and have half of it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But like, yeah, I think Dolores, Dolores has this kind of, um, there's a maternal quality to her and it's funny because I get the impression like that her like she would have quite conservative political views and also in a way I get the impression that she's quite traditional but I do like as much as the Frank and David thing feels a bit fake for the show Mm. I kind of admire that for all of her traditional Italian ways she's like I don't need to get married. I have this and this. My life is yeah. great. I think, I mean, look, I'm not someone who thinks marriage is the be all and end all. But in that space, because that show, they are quite traditional. There's something yeah. kind of badass that she's like, I don't need to marry this guy. I have two houses and I live here and I do there. And it's like, you know what? Like, that actually is not the worst arrangement. Like, I'm not mad at that at all. Oh, for sure. And I think I think the show affords them that point of view as well, right? Like, there are other women out there saying to you that I look up to you because you do X, Y, and Z, or other people, not just women. Yeah. And I think I think that's what empowers a lot of them. And I, we, we saw that in Ramona more than anyone, I think, as well, from New York, that she was just like, yeah, this is this is my life now. I'm, I'm famous and I'm successful and I don't kind of need anything else. But, you know, she does, when she did, she did that sobbing thing, didn't she, recently, which was kind of iconic. 
of that last season thing where she's like, I'm never gonna find a man. And her friends yeah. are like, you will. I'm like, Ramona, in two days, you won't care about this. Like, I just, I feel like Ramona is someone who has an emotional breakthrough once every two years and then moves on a day later and doesn't think about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, there's not a whole lot going on there. <laughs> I love that I I love the sort of like uh you know like in like Vanderpump rules like Jax Taylor would be like you know you know I'm still growing I'm still growing and you're like you're late, you're 40 you're 40 and yeah, she's like you're in your 40s uh, yeah she's 60 yeah. right she's 60 plus now is she like she's in yeah. her 60s and she's still like you know my birthday party this I feel like I'm gonna have that energy in my 60s I, I my birthday is like a full long month-long celebration like <laughs> month long that's dramatic but a week long and i feel like like, "Mm, 21 days (laughs) (laughs) that's fine (laughs) we have established that you watch a lot of housewives but i'm curious if there's a real housewives journey you're hoping to go on soon maybe there's a show you haven't watched yet or one you want to go back to or or kind of i don't know fill in the blanks i think i i I wish i could connect with orange county but i i just Mm -hmm. can't and i know everyone talks about tamra and vicky and how great it was back then uh, but I don't, I don't think it's sort of doing anything for me. I've sort of picked up Dallas in the last season or so. That I don't think is great. Tiffany Moon is amazing, but like mm-hmm. uh, I think it feels very antiquated. And there's this whole thing about race at the minute as well, isn't there? And I, you're really feeling the race thing, I think, across Housewives at the minute, which is making me feel quite uncomfortable because we're talking about these women of colour who are parachuted in and then are having to talk about race in a way that feels quite unprotected. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's incredibly concerning, I think. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that I want, I, I'd, I'd love them to sort of do in a better way, not just one, one housewife in a, in, a, in a season of all white women, because it's inevitable that they're going to, you know, they're not going to say going to butt heads, but they don't, because they don't see race a lot of them. So it's like that, is difficult so yeah I'm, I'm struggling with that a little minute uh, at the minute and I, I really struggle with Dallas because of that especially because I think it was really heightened and I think Tiffany had a really bad run of it um but going backwards I think I, I will always watch Atlanta again like I think I could watch you know like uh Mr Mr Lindsay Lohan's daddy like shift of the wig yeah you're right there's definitely gems in the in the Bravo back catalogue oh for sure and actually talking about like arcs and stuff Portia Williams has mm-hmm. one of the best arcs I think of any character, real or fake. <laughs> like it's incredible to see her to go like to go from being completely uneducated about the Underground Railroad to being absolutely like you know at the, like you know visible in the Black Lives Matter protests is like I think is you know being in the New York Times because of it. Is that, mm-hmm. I mean that is an arc we can applaud. I I, I think she's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god, there's so much that you can go back to. And before we wrap, where can people like find you online and obviously your work? Because I know you're working on a number of shows that are like soon to come out and I'm sure there's something we haven't heard about yet. So like what should we be keeping an eye out for in that regard as well? Oh, uh, I think it's mostly like, yeah, all the stuff is sort of coming out later this year or early next year that I'm sort of working on at the minute. But um, yeah, it's just my Twitter, which is my first name, Furkan, which is F-U-R-Q-U-A-N. And okay, so there's and there's ITV shows, there's Netflix shows. Yeah. Maybe you'll end up producing a reality show. But you know, what? I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And I think story producing a, a show set in East London is something that we, me and a friend of mine who worked on TOWIE have been talking about. So who knows? 
That's so interesting. Can I ask, I've heard mm-hmm. of people working in that space, story producing, particularly I've heard it in relation to Made in Chelsea yeah. and Taui, which are obviously two like flagship British TV shows. What does a story producer do on reality TV? Because I think people think reality TV is all quote unquote scripted. I know it's not, but i curious what that role actually entails. So a lot of it is um, there'll be producers on the ground uh, who are working with the talent. And so say, I'm going to use Holly as an example. Say Holly said something terrible. About My friend Holly Shorthall, shout out <laughs> yeah. to Holly. She's still, she'll be so happy to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> say Holly said something terrible about you. To me, <gasps> Jesus! <laughs> oh wow, we're going there. <laughs> uh, to me, and uh, so what? What? What the producers would do is that they would then orchestrate like a, a situation where I I'd spoken to you. So that would go on like a cheat sheet of all the drama that had happened that day. That would then mm-hmm. get sent to the story office, and then they'd, you know, uh, manipulate situations where you know that really iconic Taui moment where they run into each other in the supermarket and like. Are you just cooking your dinner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just getting a few bits for dinner. What are you doing here? I'm just getting a few bits as well. You're right. Yeah, I can't do exactly the voice, but yeah. I've seen that clip. So yeah. That's completely storyline, obviously, because these two people, like, she, he, clearly Mark Wright didn't want to film with her anymore or something. So stick stick his mum in and be like, you know, this is a good way to tell mm. him, tell her that um, he's got a new girlfriend or something like that. So it's like it manipulates the story in that way. It's essentially you're manipulating people's emotions in order to create a story arc. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> you're having like a you're having an existential crisis seconds after you said you <laughs> wanted like, to do this do job that? again. <laughs> I want a story produced in East London, but I am manipulating people's emotions. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Well, that's that's good to know. I was curious how that all works, and it is funny because I think sometimes some of the not every, but there's a couple of, of big British reality shows that are very, like, they don't hide the staging that way. Whereas Housewives, they have at least a little bit of, and maybe it's because they actually lean on the piece to camera more, but like yeah. kind of, <laughs> sometimes like Tower or Main Chelsea, I'm like, oh my God, this is so, like this, you can almost hear sets being built around them. Like it's very like a bit creaky sometimes. Yeah. There was that really funny bit in the last season of uh, New York where at the end of the season, Tinsley, uh, sorry, Aaliyah says, Tinsley introduced us all. And Dorinda was like, no, she never. No, she never. Uh, and then they got to the reunion and they were like, well, Bethany put Leah's name on the list. <laughs> and it was like, there was a yeah. short list of housewives that we were going to parachute into the franchise, right? Um, but yeah, it's just, I think that's why I love Potomac so much is that it start, it feels more authentic. And those earlier seasons, and I think a lot of them now need, they need retooling because, those other Bravo shows are coming in in a more organic way, like Southern Charm, like uh, Winter House, Summer House, that's not Winter House or whatever, is like those things, they feel like genuine friends, like Vanderpump Rules. Like what what is, you kind of need to go back to that toolkit, I think. And I, I would love to see, you know, a lot of them sort of like recast with like a genuine friendship group that you can sort of ratchet up. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God, listen, we could... We could be here all day, but Furkan, thank you very much for coming on Housewives and Me. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That was Furkan Actor here on Housewives and Me. You can check out his work uh, by following on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I will put links to that in the show notes for this week's episode. And of course, he's taking part in writing for so many amazing shows that are going to be coming our way in the coming months as well. I don't know. Frankly, I don't know how he has time to watch all the Housewives that he watches maybe he chalks it up <laughs> as a search for work who knows and I, I do feel like the interview ended a bit abruptly I was doing that thing I was like wrap it up we've taken up so much of this person's time but then also I had to ask what a story producer was so 
then I was like, oh my God, I need to end this. I've taken up so much of this person's time. But anyway, thank you very much to Firkin for chatting to me. It was so much fun. If you liked what you heard today on the show and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and a review. It helps really uh, get the word out about the show. And I appreciate everybody who's done that for the show so far. No matter where you listen, you can follow, subscribe, like, etc. New episodes come out every Tuesday with some amazing guests on the way. You can follow the show on Housewives and Me on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me on those platforms as well. The handle is It's Connor Bean. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.